The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Hello, and welcome to Love Was His Meaning, Reading and Praying with Julian of Norwich. We'll begin this morning with the little office uh, linked to in the description. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Let us say together Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, and listen to my prayer. I call upon you from the ends of the earth with heaviness on my heart. Set me upon the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. I will dwell in your house forever. I will take refuge under the cover of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have granted me the heritage of those who fear your name. Add length of days to the king's life. Let his years extend over many generations. Let him sit enthroned before God forever. Bid love and faithfulness watch over him. So will I always sing the praise of your name, and day by day I will fulfill my vows. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let's join together in a prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want, for only in you have I all. Amen. Well, here we are in chapter 57, and this is actually kind of the end of where um, Julian is talking about our substance and uh, uh, the two parts of our natures as reflected uh, as, well, the two parts of Christ's nature as reflected in us as humanity. Regarding our essence, he made us so noble and so rich that we constantly work his will and his honor. When I say we, it means men who shall be saved. For truly I saw that we are what he loves, and we do what he desires constantly without any ceasing. And from these great riches, and from this high nobility, virtues beyond measure come to our soul when it is knit to our body, in which knitting we are made fleshy. Thus in our essence we are complete, and in our fleshiness we are insufficient. This insufficiency God will restore and make complete by the action of mercy and grace plenteously flowing into us from his own natural goodness. So his natural goodness causes mercy and grace to work in us, and the natural goodness that we have from him enables us to receive that working of mercy and grace. I saw that our human nature is completely within God. In this human nature he makes diversities flowing out of him to work his will. Nature protects it, and mercy and grace restore and complete it, and none of these shall be lost. For our human nature, which is the higher part, is knit to God in creation, and God is knit to our human nature, which is the lower part, in the taking of our flesh. Thus in Christ 
our two natures are united. For the Trinity is encompassed in Christ in whom our second part is based and rooted, and our lower part the second person has taken, which human nature was first assigned to him. I saw most certainly that all the works God has done or ever shall do were completely known to him and foreseen without, from without beginning, and for love he made mankind, and for the same love he himself was willing to be man. The next good that we receive is our faith, in which our benefiting begins, and it comes from the high riches of our natural essence into our fleshy soul, and it is based in us, and we in it through the natural goodness of God by the working of mercy and grace. From faith come all other goods by which we are guided and saved. The commandments of God come in our faith, about which we ought to have two kinds of understanding, which are his bidding to love them and to keep them, the others that we ought to know his forbiddings in order to hate and to refuse them, for in these two are all our actions contained. Also in our faith come the seven sacraments, each following the other in order as God has ordained them to us, and all manner of virtues. For the same virtues that we receive from our essence, given to us in human nature, by the goodness of God, these same virtues by the action of mercy, are also given to us in grace, renewed through the Holy Spirit. These virtues and gifts are treasured for us within Jesus Christ, for at that same time that God knitted him to our body in the maiden's womb, he assumed our fleshy soul. In taking this fleshy soul, he, having enclosed us all in himself, wanted our fleshy soul to our essence. In this wanting, he was complete humanity, for Christ, having knit unto himself all men who shall be saved, is a perfect man. Thus Our Lady is our mother, in whom we are all enclosed, and out of her we are born in Christ. For she, who is a mother of our Savior, is mother of all, who shall be saved within our Savior. But our Savior is our true mother, in whom we are endlessly born, and never shall come to birth out of him. Plenteously and completely and sweetly this was shown, and it is spoken of in the first showing, where he says that we are all enclosed in him, and he is enclosed in us, and it is spoken of in the sixteenth showing, where it says that he sits in our soul. It is his delight to reign in our understanding blissfully, and to sit in our soul restfully, and to dwell in our soul endlessly, drawing us all into him. In this drawing he wishes that we be his helpers, giving him all our attention, learning his lessons, keeping his laws, desiring all that be done which he does, honestly trusting in him, for truly I saw that our essence is in God. So, um, as I was reading through this for the, uh, the a few times uh, during prep for this, uh, one of the things I, I thought to mention at this point is, when you're listening to Julian, uh, even in my own stilting uh, reading of it, um, especially aloud, um, some of what you have to do with her is to just simply let it roll over you. I mean, uh, as a mystic, she is not really trying to create a unified um, theology. There are um, people like Dennis Turner who have done entire books that kind of sketch out what her theology would look like, but that's not her purpose here. Her purpose is a devotional guide for the even Christian, the ordinary Christian. So therefore, a lot of this stuff with its repetitive language has a 
is in, intended to have an emotional effect. Uh, it's intended uh, to give you a feeling of uh, continuity and calm as she's speaking through it. So if sometimes you find yourself just tuning out and drawn in just kind of into the rhythm of it, you're doing exactly what she intends you to do. Uh, this is not the kind of thing that's really intended to be picked apart and scrutinized in, in, in the micro, at least that's not her intention. Um, so as we go through this, um, uh, the rest of this book, that's something to keep in mind when you're listening. But um, regarding our essence, he's made us, I uh, love this, this um, language, he's made us so noble and so rich that we constantly work his will and his honor. So this idea of, we're still talking about the essence and the fleshiness of humanity, but the essence is so noble and so rich, we're all dressed in purple, we're all wearing fine uh, fine crowns of gold, you know, according to Julian here, we constantly work his will and his honor. Um, and we're given virtues beyond measure in a diversity beyond measure, uh, is, is how she puts it a little bit later down here. In our essence, we are complete. And in our fleshiness, we are insufficient. Um, and God will restore that the insufficiency in our fleshiness by the action of mercy and grace plenteously flowing into us from our from his own natural goodness. So one of the things that she is really clear about here um, is that we as enfleshed humans, in some ways, are not the first humans. The, in, oh, I'll read this again. I, I had to go back and, and read this a second time because it's a tricky paragraph, but it's, it's really important. Thus, in Christ, our two natures are united. For the Trinity is encompassed in Christ in whom our second part is based and rooted, and the lower part, the second person has taken, which human nature was first assigned to him. So we, in some ways, are not the first humans. Jesus, uh, the humanity was first assigned to Jesus before the creation. And we are images. We are part of that, uh, images of, of all three parts of the Trinity in some ways. But specifically, our human nature is part of that part that was assigned to Jesus. So our very humanness uh, in, in all of its glory and all of its failings um, are, is, is a reflection of that as original assignment of humanity to the second part of the Trinity. From faith come all other goods by which we are guided and saved. So this, uh, and faith, you know, um, in modern terms, we often think of faith, especially in American evangelical contexts, as being making a choice, of an intellectual choice. I have decided to follow Jesus, you know, but that's not really what she's talking about here. Faith is kind of a, a, a more holistic thing for Julian because it's part of her entire culture and everything that's around her. So faith is something that that is, um, uh, there is a, an element of intellectual belief. But it's more just a decision of the will to follow Jesus. It's it's it's, it's a trusting as opposed to uh, making a, a particular decision at one point in one's life. We often, in, especially in American context, gets get caught up with that idea of the intellectual decision to become a Christian. That's not what we're really talking about here when Julian's talking about faith. She's talking about an entire fabric of belief in God that has to do with the social net around oneself, your participation in the church and your own personal beliefs about God. Uh, those are indivisible for Julian in the context that she sits in. And from that faith come all other goods by which we are guided and saved. And also in our faith come the seven sacraments. So for her, this is a, 
the, the sacramental life of the church, whether you define it in Lutheran terms as two sacraments or in Roman Catholic terms as seven sacraments or in Anglican terms as two sacraments and five sacramental rites, that's all in some ways angels dancing on the head of a pin arguing. The sacramental life of the church is part of that faith for Julian. It's inseparable from the idea of, of, of belief. Uh, it's, it's all in there at the same point. Uh, Julian has a a wonderful thing here on on uh, Mary, uh, the mother of God. So thus, our lady is our mother in whom we are all enclosed, and out of her we are born in Christ. For she who is the mother of our Savior is mother of all who shall be saved within our Savior. So this is important because she's going to make point, counterpoint uh, right here. So point is that technically, since we are all enclosed in Christ, uh, we are. Our, uh, Mary is all of our mothers in the same way that she is the mother of God. Even though God is uncreated and before her, she's given that honorific title of God-bearer because she bears um, the incarnation of the second part of the Trinity. Since Julian's argument is that we are all enclosed in Christ, therefore Mary in that sense is our mother. Point. Second point, but our Savior is our true mother in whom we are endlessly born and never shall come to birth out of him. So first get past that first sentence of, uh, you know, let's, let's examine that first sentence of, but our Savior is our true mother. You know, that she is not the first Christian theologian to make that argument. She's probably one of the best known uh, Christian theologians to make that argument. Uh, but, you know, we have to remember this is a time where when people are talking about images of God, they're almost exclusively male. Um, so this is something uh, important for her to say. She's using this birth image, but listen to the second part of this again. We are endlessly born and never shall come to birth out of him. So Jesus is our true mother, and we are endlessly born, and we are never born. Uh, as uh, Frederick Roden says in his commentary on this, we are never not in Christ's womb. <laughs> so we are constantly enclosed and we are constantly be bo being born, but never really being born. This is an intentional um, uh, paradox. It, it's an intentional point of, for something to us to meditate on. Uh, she's not, Julian almost never gives us a lot of clear answers. Everything is, is meant to be in a way that, that gets our mind working and in a way that gets us thinking in new ways about God. Um, and this is kind of the last point she makes in this chapter. For truly I saw that our essence is in God. She's kind of ending up this whole argument about our essence and where it is and how it exists in God. That we are enclosed in, in God, that Jesus is enclosed in us. And this great mystery of eternal birth and not birth of ourselves in, in Jesus. Let's continue with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 
I ask your prayers for all those in Eastern Europe, particularly the people of Ukraine, and for all those on our parish prayer list, and I bid your prayers and intercessions at this time. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning this week. Uh, just to let you know, there will not be an episode um, next week as I'm off to the Standing Committee on Ecumenical and Interreligious Relations for the Episcopal Church, um, but we will pick it up the week after. Um, until then, I'll see you later, and God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available once a week on Thursday. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.